Welcome to Women's World, a podcast focused on showcasing single mothers from all walks of life and giving them a platform to exhibit all their awesomeness, support, and struggles in raising children and the ventures they maintain or pursue while being a mom. Today's guest is Ivy. We're on episode four, Life After Death. And in this episode, we'll be exploring life of a widow, how she's raised her child, all while dealing with a traumatic thing in her life as far as losing her husband to um, a deadly disease, cancer. So we'll welcome Ivy today. Welcome, Ivy. Hey, hey. Thank you for being a um, guest on um, Woman's World today on my podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time out to do so, and I'm happy that you're here to share with us today and my listeners in regards to what you've gone through being a widow she's a mom of one she has a beautiful daughter that's 16 and today we're just going to discuss and talk about um her trials and what she went through in regards to losing her husband so ivy ready yes i'm ready okay (laughs) don't be nervous (laughs) we're we're all friends here so let's just talk about um first tell me a little bit about um, how you lost your husband? Um, I lost my husband to cancer um, almost five years. Uh, Tuesday will be five years. Um, he was 33 when he passed. He was diagnosed at 32, no, 31. And he died a year and a half after being diagnosed with cancer. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it was very short in reference to our whole process in reference to once he was diagnosed and then unfortunately passing away. So it wasn't, um, a long, you know, period of time that we had in reference to that. A lot of information in reference to, uh, you know, just going through the whole process when we found out it was very unexpected. Um, it was just a normal day. Honestly, (laughs) I didn't even expect it. It was so crazy. He had been dealing with a lot of pain in his back and kind of going to patient first and going to the doctor. One day he was just like, I'm going to go to the emergency room. I'm just been in pain all night. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take Jordan to school, our daughter, and I'll just meet you there. <laughs> a regular, like you just yeah, thought it was like, a regular. Yeah, like, I was like, them. oh, because the initial, when we went to patient first one time, they was like, oh, I think it's just like gas. Just walk it out, take this medicine. And he was okay for a couple of days. And then it got, I guess, really bad. So we get there. I'm at the hospital. We're laughing and joking. He was like, yeah, they did. And I dropped my daughter off. And then I go meet him in the emergency room. And we're just talking. And the doctor walks in. He sits down. And he's like, just going to give it to you straight. And we're like, okay. What? Right. And he's like, you have cancer. Wow. And I, my heart just dropped. It was May 18th. 2012 when he found out I remember that day and my heart dropped I was like what and he was like yeah we did you know cat scans and you know things like that and it's pretty bad he was like but we're gonna admit you and they'll tell you more so we got admitted and called some family and came to the hospital and it took him a while because it was a very rare 
uh, form of cancer, a sarcoma called desmoplastic small round cell tumor tumors. Wow. Yeah, so no one in the Centera had ever heard or seen of this. So it took them until about June to actually find out in a biopsy, sent it off to actually determine what type of cancer he had. Um, How old was Jordan at that time? When we found out, I believe she was nine. Yeah, she was nine, about to turn 10 um, when we found out. We didn't tell her um, or our son. We have a son. He's my stepson, um, but I've known him since he was you know, little, so he's my son. We didn't tell them initially um, because we didn't really know much ourselves. The doctors right. didn't even know. The, the oncologist here didn't even know we had to do, like I said, several different tests. Um, and then once we found out, we went to John Hopkins, went down there to... The doctor here, didn't, oncologist here, didn't really know about treatment for that type of cancer. So he sent us there, and they came up with the treatment plan. And then we also found out about Cancer Treatment Center of America. Um, and we decided to partner with the oncologist here and them for treatment. And how does that really work, um, the Cancer Treatment of America? I know I see commercials in regards to that, and... How are they as far as providing resources for the family when their loved one is going through cancer treatments? Like what type of resources do they provide for you guys? Are you able to stay there? Do they give you hotel vouchers or cards? Like what happens with that? So it was kind of all of the above in reference to them. I don't know whether it was with our insurance. I know that they have limited insurance resources, but the insurance that we had at that time at my job um, did cover cancer treatment center um they actually are only based in at the time philadelphia and the closest one i believe was in georgia Mm -hmm. so we were every with his treatment or even the introductories you know when we went to go start start the process and, and come up with a treatment plan and get a second opinion they flew us out there they didn't charge like all this was at no cost they paid for our plane tickets our hotel room stays um and does the oncologist here though connect you with them and tell you, hey, you can reach out to them, or you guys had to do the work on your on your own? You basically looked it up and did the work on your own for it. Yeah, we the oncologist here didn't give us any information about them. We found out from a family friend. Um, he had an aunt that was also dealing with breast cancer, and she had found out about them, and she called and told him. We called them on the phone and they doing like an initial consultation with you over the phone and you know run your insurance and things like that for us um that's how it worked and then we went there spoke to their financial people and all their doctors they have a team of doctors that we talked to um and we didn't have to pay anything it was the only thing with that is is just the the travel back and forth to get there um, and I know, like you said, you guys had kids, so it was hard for you to stay there, pull her out of school. So were you going on the weekends or during the week? Like, how was that for you with her? I, since you guys didn't tell them what was, as time went on and progressed, because I know you said it was only a year that he had it, um, and then he passed, how did you keep up the treatments going out of town or going to Philadelphia and still maintaining or keeping her into school? 
Well, we eventually did tell them once we did our consultation with them and they went over the treatment plan, we found out that his treatment plan was going to be very aggressive. Um, Like he was going to be really sick, lose his hair, everything. So we did tell the kids so they knew. But one good thing was we have a really good family support system. My parents live here. So what they would do for my son doesn't live with us. He lived with his mom. So that really wasn't too big of an issue. Um, but my daughter, our daughter, excuse me, we, my parents will come stay at our house, um, while we were gone. So the treatment plans were every three weeks, one treatment was a five day long hospital stay because the treatment, the uh, chemo that he was getting was, um, could have a really bad effect on his kidney, his livers and kidneys. So he had to have. 24-hour care in reference to that to make sure that there was no negative effects on that while he was there. So we would be there because of the treatment schedule. We would be there anywhere between five to seven days um, in the hospital for that treatment. And then three weeks later, we would go back for a one-day stay for that treatment and then just fly back the next day. Well, that same day, excuse me. Okay. All right. And once it got to where you realized that um, he wasn't going to get better... Did you ever, before even that, though, did you ever think about possibly doing, like, I know a lot of people said that the chemo really just makes you sick. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, people feel like it doesn't really cure the cancer. It just um, advances it, right. you know. Um, so do you feel like was herbalist or um, what is it, the, the herbal doctor, natural doctors, was that an option? Did you ever think about possibly just going through that first? Well, one of the good things about Cancer Treatment Center of America, I don't well, this is not a plug, but they provided all of that. Like, they have naturopathic doctors there that we also see they were working with their actual doctors. So they would get the the treatments and the medicine that he was on, and then they would talk to us about, um, vitamins and things like that that he needed herbs to take herbs stuff. that he needed to take this help for this this help for this like he would lose um he would have tingling or numbness in his fingers or uh, medicine could affect his heart so they would give us different things that he would take take this take that so we were to at supplement. yeah supplements and things like that so we had all of that to either get there or take home with us so we could go to, like, to the different vitamin shops and herbal herbalists and get different things to help. And I really think that that all made him, made some of the aftermath of the chemo a little more bearable for him because sometimes... It he wouldn't really get that sick, or it would take a day or two, and then he would be down for like a day, and then he would get a boost of energy and be okay. Um, you know, he lost like he was getting tingling and numbness in his fingers, and so they recommended some different um, supplements, and that kind of helped him with that. So I really think that that did help, but because he was so young, um, I don't think that we ever considered any other route other than treatment, treatment. because the, the he chemo. Felt like he was healthy enough to withstand right so when he went though was he in stage four already you say he had a, like an aggressive an aggressive or a different kind of cancer that right. nobody had ever known about so mm-hmm. by the time you guys found out and was he going was he and i know you said he was healthy he was 32 so was he getting regular 
checkups or routine doctor checkups or physicals, I should say. Because, you know, as black men, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a myth that black men don't like to go to the doctor. You know, so with everything that's going on now with these cancers and stuff like that, um, prostate, liver, colon, you know, we're heart disease. We're encouraging our black men as well as women because, you know, you need to get these checkups so you'll know and be able to, if we catch it early, Mm -hmm. stage one, possibly, possibly we don't have to do chemo. Right. You know, we can change our diet. We can exercise more. We can go see the herbalist, you know, um, to get some type of resolve or make our body well. Was he a big, was he a person that didn't like to go to the doctor or was it just, oh, I'm in pain so much. Was he that type of person? I'm going to just lay here and just see if I can wait it out for the pain to go away. Yes and no. I mean, he wasn't really into, he wasn't the type of person that's going to go, he wasn't like, oh, I need to go have a physical, yeah, yeah, every ache and pain, or I'm just going to thug it out was where his mindset was. Um, But again, with the pain, he did, we went to a few, we went to the doctor a few times for the pain. Um, One of the problems with the cancer that he has is that had was that it was very small tumors all throughout his abdomen from his chest down to you know the lower part of his abdomen and they're everywhere just riddle his body so what they told us was that really this is a cancer that you can't you don't know about unless you've done a ct scan and you don't do that um just randomly and the only really reason why people do know they have it the very few that get it is because a tumor has gotten bigger or is pressing against something to cause pain and then after again continuous misdiagnosis do you find out so because it had metastasized and it was all throughout his body the only treatments that there was no like surgery option because again it was everywhere okay um so it was already at that point too late right so when you know that, and you know, I always say to you all the time, you are super strong, that your husband is terminal automatically, mm-hmm. where do you go as far as your mind state with, okay, I'm about to be a single mom. I'm I'm about to raise my child, my daughter. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you guys had a really good village, mm-hmm. a really good support system to help. But mentally, how do you wrap your mind around I'm about to be a single mom, you know, or I'm about to lose the love of my life. Like, how how did you pre- prepare for that? Was it church? Did you have counseling? Did you go to counseling and stuff throughout this process? So I did go to counseling, um, but honestly, I didn't prepare myself. I refused to believe that he was going to die. I refuse to believe it. I, my mom, once he got, you know, we had been going through treatment for about a year and he was getting sicker and sicker and there, you know, none of the, you know, at the checkups were showing any results or any stop it improvements at all. My mom, I remember she called me and was like, you know, are you thinking about preparing yourself for if he doesn't get better? I was like, I don't know why we're having this conversation because he's not going to leave me. He's not going to leave me. There's no way that I'm going to, he's going to leave me. I refuse to believe it. I don't, I don't know what was going on. I was like, there's no way. Like, <laughs> there's no way. He's not leaving me. 
I'm not listening to anything that you're saying. Right. You just weren't receiving it. I wasn't. At, at all. The doctor even told told him at one point, and I damn near cussed her out and told her how dare she say that to him. <laughs> I did. and I, I mean, we can laugh about it now, but right. at the time, you oh, were probably no. dead serious. I was dead serious. I called, I cussed her out, told her how dare she say that to him. She doesn't know anything. Called these people and said, I never want to see her again. in this office again. You need to assign a new doctor. Don't ever schedule us with her again. And I was not playing, like, this was the doctor here, not in chemistry, but this was the doctor here. When you go, we, you still have to go check up with this right. doctor and do all your, like, scans and stuff here. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until he was continuously, like, in 2013, August, he started being admitted to the hospital, emergency room. And he, like, was pretty much bedridden. Mm-hmm. And then at another time, he was just going back and forth to the hospital. And then around this time, probably earlier in the month in October, they were pretty much told us there was nothing else they could do for him. No surgery. He was too weak for any type of, any more treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, He was at this point, like, he couldn't even really walk, but take a, no, he wasn't able to stand on his own or walk. He had to, like, put him in wheelchairs and he was, you know, bedridden. Right. Um, there was no more treatment that could be done, nothing else, that I really started to think about him actually passing away. Um, but At that time, did you start to prepare funeral arrangements or did you start to prepare your daughter and your son about what was happening? How often did they see him also? did? And I know that was probably rough mm-hmm. in regards to them seeing him in the hospital and deteriorating and stuff like that as far as his weight, mm-hmm. you know, his just his health. He's he's not himself anymore. Right. How did they handle that emotionally? Well, my son was living in Alabama at the time, so he honestly didn't see any of it. I think it was when he came, we called and told his mom that she should bring him after they told him, you know, bring him to see his dad. It was a real shock for him when he saw his dad. Like, it he was broke down. Broke down. He I don't think that he knew. And I don't even think my kids knew because even on the, when we were in the hospital and we were like, okay, you know, trying to talk to them. Like my son was even like, no, mm-mm. I'll, you know, see you tomorrow. That, you know, yeah. like, you know, so, and then, you know, Jordan, I would talk to her about, I didn't make any funeral arrangements until after he passed. I didn't even think about that. That wasn't, because his actual passing happened within less than 24 hours. Like, I know they told us that they, he was going to, nothing else they could do, but they were trying to prepare him for a hospice. Or, and I was trying to find a place to, for him to go. But it wasn't, so I didn't think about talking to them at that point. I know that Jordan probably did see him, like she kind of was helping me with taking care of him and things like that. But I think we were all in just, take care mode, caregiver mode mm-hmm. that I didn't think about an after, an aftermath. So it was just all go, right. just prepare him to go to hospice and then we'll think about right. whatever. So. Cause like my days were literally waking up in a hospital room cause we were 24 seven in a hospital waking up let's say like six, five, six in the morning or even at home. If we were at home, I had to, 
wash him, prepare him, wait for, you know, somebody to come, go to work. You know, doctors are calling me while I'm even at work, giving me updates. Nurses are calling me. I come home. I still have to care for him. So I don't know. I, that wasn't, you know, I'm just trying to make him comfortable because he was bedridden. Right. So he was getting bed sores and I had to always wash find different, him, yeah. wash him, you know, different ways to make him comfortable. So it was just in go mode, like you said, until they, it, it, even, it didn't even dawn on me. Like I always felt like he was still going to make it. Like I just felt like this was a test of God and he was going to, to come to out of this. Through. To pull through. Yeah, I never, I never imagined that he was going to die. Even when they told me that he, there was nothing more they could do. I always felt like this is a testimony, like God is going to show where man said this is not going to happen and he's going to deliver him. I never imagined that he would die. Until When he didn't come through, were you kind of angry at God when it didn't because you... Yeah. You you had this belief that, you know, God is God, the creator of all, you know, he turned right. water into wine, you know, uh, mm-hmm. walked on water, you right. know. Yeah, I wasn't, I wouldn't say angry with God. I was a little disappointed. I didn't, could never really understand why he could, you know, and I find myself, you know, unfortunately being a little jealous of cancer survivors to share their testimony but I couldn't get that same testimony people whose husbands were you know going to um you know going through this or they were going through this and they you know came through but this didn't happen for me but I could only think that maybe you know I find solace because I know that you know my husband he was always a believer of God, but he was never like a man of God living right. for God. Right. He had his days in the streets and had his days as a family man, but he always knew he was, God, but he was never up, you know, living in, the, in, in that the, life. And I find solace in knowing that even in those days, like it was a couple of days before he was listening to something on the TV and he actually like gave his, I literally while he we were laying there watching TV on the in the hospital room, I literally saw him just give his life to God and mm-hmm. pray to God, and so I maybe feel like that was at that time he was no you know now thinking back that was you know God's time to take him because he knew that he, he was, was of God he was ready and it would be in no more pain right he was ready and he knew yeah. he knew so um. How are you now? Like, how is, I mean, it's many years later, mm-hmm. five years later. Um, how is your daughter? How is your son? Like, I know that there's probably rough times in regards to that. But as far as the memories that you guys have and just going forward, how do you see them? Um, what do I want to say? How, how is she handling? How are they handling it day by day? As far as him not being here, I think I'm not really sure about my son. Again, we I talk to him often, but I don't live with him. He lives in Alabama with his mom and stepdad, so they may attest to that a little bit more. My daughter, I think that she actually is feeling the effects of it more now because she's 16. She 
realizes she at the time I think that she didn't really think about the effects that her dad would have on her I think that now when this is a key point in her life where she needs that male figure and she doesn't have it I think that she misses him even more now like I honestly think that she thinks about him more now she talks about him a little more now I think that she was handling a little bit better before and now I think that it's well she's older now so she's a teenager and she's probably a little bit more aware of daughters and dads Mm -hmm. and you know she's starting to see boys are coming into her life so you know us as women or young ladies need a dad need a father figure especially when we're teenagers and growing up so um how has that been do you think that she's um a little bit more wiser when it comes to like boys with you know with her dad not being here no or is she a little bit more not gullible but you know does she you feel like she's i think that she sometimes looks for that boy where that validation from from a a man right where you know she she kind of eats up some of the things that guys say or you know attention um and I have to try to you know talk with her and have conversations so I think now more she's kind of realizing that you know it's kind of all game game (laughs) (laughs) ever and you know and it's okay you know you know I think that you know she's got her feelings her heart you know she gives of her heart a lot in reference to that so I think that's just maybe just one growing pains growing pains yeah dealing with boys Mm -hmm. Well, it's been an awesome segment. You gave me a lot of information, and I really, really appreciate it. We're going to come to our After Dark segment now. It was so serious. We had to break the ice because this really was about to make me cry. But I'm glad that you told your story. You were truthful. It gave me a lot of information and hopefully women out there know that their support systems, counselors, um, help mm-hmm. with going through a traumatic death right. um, and being a single mom and still being able to raise your children. I know that at some, t- at some point you told me that it was day that you really didn't even want to just get up. Right. Um, but, and you've come a long way. Yes. You yes. <laughs> by the grace, yes, by the grace, honey. by yes. the grace of God. I would probably be under the covers three years ago, two, four years ago around this time because it's anniversary. I would be literally probably under the covers. Right, right. So I know that church has helped you out a lot. Like you said, your mom and dad has been um, really pillars for you. Um, but after dark segment, yeah. this is the segment where I can ask anything that I want. It's not so heavy. Not so serious. Okay, so first question. Yes. And it's always something really, really quick and something nasty, go you know. <laughs> Have you ever did the golden shower on anyone? I don't know what that is. You don't know what the golden shower no, is? No, what the hell is that? <laughs> oh my I God. <laughs> Let's go. Lord. <laughs> A golden shower is when what R. Kelly did to the little girl. Heck no, no, no. I'm not gonna say heck no. Right. 
no, 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 no. That's Has not- anybody done a golden shower on you? No, no, no. I can honestly say that's not anything that has ever even been presented to me. It's not something that, you know. You would be interested in? Uh, no, okay. it's not. All right. What about tossing salads? Are you all for tossing salads? No. <laughs> it's not something that uh I'm very that I'm into as well. I guess. But you want to get your talent sauce though, huh? That's not even the case either. Actually, no. Like I actually would prefer you get to stay away. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal for me, honestly. <laughs> I can go without. <laughs> so no go to showers. No. No tossing salads. Mm, no, I'm actually okay here. With either one of those. Either one. We don't even have to discuss those. Okay. Yeah. Bondage. Yeah. I can do that. I can deal with that. Okay. Uh-huh. A little bondage. All right. The mouth the mouth thing too. Like the- I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know now. The gag thing. Like are you are you okay you with know, the ball, you know, and the thing around your face? Know. I don't anything wrong with it again i'm a little scary like i feel like what if i die like what if it i choke together or something like that i don't know (laughs) i've seen it you know on tv tv in person now i've seen it i don't know i would have to really trust and be comfortable totally to even try you know to not to say considerate but to probably consider it and you know what before we go i didn't even talk about life after and the segment is called life after death are you looking to get married again i know that your husband was your very first love your very first every any everything right so are you looking to get do you find yourself comparing do you want to get married again i do find myself comparing like because you said like i don't have multiple relationships to go off of um and i think being young because we met when when I was 17 and he was 19 you know I didn't get different experiences in reference to relationship and give it of myself um do I want to get married again or be in a relationship again I would get married again I I know I'm a type of person that needs companionship right now with my daughter being 16 I don't trust a lot of people so I don't and I know that she's really on her dad bringing another person into her life living you know space and stuff like that i'm not ready for that so no so you're gonna wait until she gets out of the house before you really start dating seriously yes okay you heard <laughs> it here you heard you heard you heard it here now so right are you right two more years right. fellas before right. you think you could get serious right. with her no. Yeah, we can spend some time. We can hang out, but ain't it gonna be no getting married and taking family trips? Okay, all right. Well, um, thank you mm-hmm. for participating in my podcast today. No problem. It was really enjoyable. I hope it was as fun for you as it was for me. You gave me a lot of good information, and hopefully, my listeners um, feel more empowered. They have a little bit of information that they can go for, even if it was just uplifting. You're not alone. And I just wanted to do this podcast to let women know that you're not alone in your everyday struggles. There's someone out there that's always, always dealing with the same things that you are. Continue to have faith. Continue to move forward. Till the next time. Bye. Thank you, Ivy.